With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 35 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the L-Town, Josh Hopkins. <laughs> from the L-Town. We keep it going. That's nice. Well done. I know. We're, we're, there, there are two people who like that bit. <laughs> me and me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> the L-Town. How are uh-huh. I see you're, uh, you? See you're in Brooklyn there. How are things? Things are good. Uh, can't complain. Uh, pretty like day. A nice little, day. Little chilly. Yeah. And also, you don't know this, but your Tatum is here. Your Tatum no, flew in last Tatum? night. Your Tatum, my middle daughter, Tatum, Tatum Ellery. How Chapman. is she? She's great. She is one of the biggest lovers of cinema that I have ever met. Television, good television as well, but she knows it and loves it. Yeah, she does. She's so she's here visiting. So I'm happy as I can be. Uh, That's great. My Tatum's here. Um, but yeah, uh, what's been up, buddy? You good? Yeah, man. I've uh, just holding it down. Just yeah. holding it down. The usual. Okay. Yeah, it's a decent day here in here oh, in beauty. Austin. Beauty. It's a little beauty. little cloudy, little cloudy. But you I know, see you're hydrating, a, getting your electrolytes in. Getting your electrolytes yeah. in. Yes, yep. Yes, yep. Yes, yep. Yep. Always, always got it. It's a temple. That's right. It's a temple. That's right. That's um, right. Um, what, I was uh, going to, we're episode been? 35. Been all over. Oh, I've been yeah. all over. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's episode 35, Josh. That's uh, yeah. famous 35s. I go right to Reggie Lewis. Uh, rest I in mean, peace. Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was terrific with Boston Celtics. Who, who else? Other 35s? Durant. Ah, maybe the best 35. He was 35 for quite a while, maybe still. Uh, love me some Kevin Durant. Uh, about, speaking hold of on, which, your yeah. guy. Uh, uh, was Daryl Griffith 35? Daryl Griffith is 35, Josh. Thank you. That's your guy. That's and your I remembered it. Guy. That's why I brought him up. That's why I brought him up. <laughs> wow. I would, why wouldn't I bring him up first? Of course I would These bring him up first. aren't the droids you're looking for. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Daryl Griffith episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I buried the leash. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, episode 35, man. And speaking of 35, K- KD, he's back now. Uh, watched him play. Lost. Yeah, watched him play against uh, the Miami Heat. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, there's, there's, there's a lead in there. We'll go. We'll yeah, get there is. That. We'll get there. We'll get there at some point. But, uh, the, the Nets took it on the chin last night. The Sixers, uh, look really well. It looks like Ben Simmons isn't going to get back to play against the Sixers in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. So it I remains to be seen. It remains to be seen how the Nets season is going to play out, but the Sixers are rolling. And there's apparently a new big three in town with our Kentucky homeboy, Mr. Max, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, he's it. He's playing ball hooping alongside uh, 
Big Joel and James Harden. What do you think about their, that so far? I mean, it's worked out really well for him so far. I love every time you see Max play, he just seems just so happy. He's yeah. smiling, and uh, I bet he's just a, a great teammate to have. Yeah. Um, and they seem to have really – this city of brotherly love is really taking him in and that's a tough if you can win them over you can win anybody over and and he has that city loves him yeah um you know it's going to be interesting to see how this whole east plays out it's it's going to be a gauntlet um the best team in the league or in the east right now is the miami heat did you know that josh i know you're aware because you you keep up with our kentucky homeboys bam out of bio and tyler hero so yep. what I thought we should do is get somebody on this week that could tell us a little bit more about Tyler Hero and Bam out of bio in the East. Uh, like who? Well, we have today another person that's going to make huh. us feel like shit about ourselves uh, after the interview's over because the person is so together and so worldly and so fun, so curious. We have the assistant coach of the first place Miami Heat, NBA champion, two-time NBA All-Star, longtime pro, my guy, James Caron Butler. What's up? What's up, brother? How That's the first today? time my government name been used like that, man. So I gotta watch <laughs> for the hackers. <laughs> uh, how you feeling, man? Man, I'm blessed, man. You know, just coming off uh, a whirlwind of you know, great games, and we got great momentum on our side right now. So just great to be talking basketball. How uh, how's Josh is Josh and I are both from Kentucky. Um, he's a huge basketball guy, of course. Um, how are our guys Bam and Tyler Hero doing? Uh, they're doing amazing. Um, I think the the constant evolution of their uh, this games and. Obviously, we knew they both was like high character individuals, but just their skill set and the way that they're just, you know, just continuing to, you know, ask for more and more information and receive it and do it like so seamlessly throughout the course of the season is just it's mind blowing to me. Like people always talk about our structure here, but the structure only works with, you know, people that's receptive to like constant information. And it's just great to have those young jewels. I, I remember, um, you know, when they were coming through Kentucky and I was doing the TV radio stuff there at the time. And uh, Keith Askins, who's a part of your organization, my teammate at, with the Heat way back in the oh, day. Gee. So, yeah. yeah. And so Keith, he'll, he'll come to me about the Kentucky guys. And I remember he came about BAM and I said, man, K.A., they're talking about him being a second round pick. Uh I said, you, if I don't know anything else, I think they had like the 13th pick. I said, if I don't know anything else, Bam's going to walk in there at 6'10 with those big hands and the character that he has. And the other thing about the Miami Heat culture that I know is that you got to be conscientious and you got to be into time and score and know what offenses and defenses you're in. Bam is conscientious. He never, he never you know, takes a playoff. And Tyler's much the same way. The great part Absolutely. about him too, and I hope it's your your experience with them. You tell them one time, and they get it. They get it. You know, they understand what you're saying. If you tell them to do it a different way, they know. Is has that been your experience? 
Uh, you know what? I think the love of the game of basketball, you're talking about two individuals that's extremely talented because you got to have that. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the thrive and the passion for your craft. Uh, for instance, I can give you an example of something that I always knew that this was in Tyler's makeup. But, uh, you know, just coming off a game like he just had in Milwaukee, I think one of the biggest things for him was getting over the hurdle and seeing the ball go in against his hometown team. You know, like we both going back in home. the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. It's, it's a burden. Like, people don't understand, like, when you're from a certain place <laughs> – you got, you know, 30, 40, 50 fans, and then you got the the people that you're connected to that you don't even know you're connected to in the crowd and just overcoming that that uh barrel, uh that barrier. Uh he just he he bust through it last game, you know, and it was just like special to watch because I know the way that he like dissect the game and I know that the way that he look at the game, he's such a student and I knew how bad he wanted it. So for him to perform well and then take that momentum uh, on the back end of a back-to-back and go to Brooklyn and play the way he did last night with the absence of Jimmy and PJ and obviously Kyle out, I just thought, like, it was just a great step in the right direction for him and his career going forward as one of the leaders, young leaders of this ball club. Man, am I um, as I'm sitting here uh, listening to you, and, you know, we've worked together at NBA TV and, and Josh, I, I told you before Karan came on, this is another episode uh, that should be called Josh and Rex feeling like shit about their, themselves because Karan <laughs> Butler is so together. Uh, and so, But as I'm listening, I, I'm realizing you're going to be a head coach in this league. You want to be a head coach. It's, it's pretty, I mean, you don't waste your time doing something that, you know, you're not devoted to. So, man, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. Um, I, before we talk too much other basketball, I'm going to let Josh get in the question here in a second. But uh, first thing, I want to dive into something completely different. Um, growing up, how did being comfortable with guns and drugs at such a young age mold your opinion? You know, when you see when you now see, uh, you know, kids who are acting just like you were growing up. And we should preface it a little bit by saying, you know, people that don't know your story it's an amazing one like you were you're that you're that dude it's not like the you know the wire this is like oh i'm tough from like you were dealing drugs at 12 yeah and and were apparently in you were arrested 15 times by the time you were 15 so you've made this sleep now with that with the audience knowing that yeah let's delve into to to this your past yeah Yeah, you know what like the biggest thing for me is like I for a long time you know when I first I was on the journey of going to prep school college obviously eventually the NBA but I was always like hesitant to talk about my past you know because I felt like you know it was it it was somewhat crippling to to revisit that space (laughs) because it wasn't other stories out there. And I was just like, oh, shit, I, I can't really talk about it. And then the NBA is so buttoned up. It's like we got dress codes. We got this. We, so they don't want to, like, hear about, you know, the street life and all my my realities. And But I, what I start seeing is that when I start coming back home, you know, 
first successful as a prep school player, then eventually college, Big East player of the year, all that stuff. And I saw like the influence and the impact and the connection that I had with the people in my community and obviously people all over the world that this this is before social media and all that, that just like knew my story, you know, through clips and, you know, newspaper reads and things like that. So I was like, man, you know, it's it's not a lot of people that's touching on the realities of their life if they're if they've been through a lot of adversity. So why not be that dude? Why not be that person with this platform to do it? And if it and if it turns out well for me, great. You know what I mean? But if it doesn't, I could I could sleep, I can live with myself because I know I was true to myself. And I identified that early. So um I'll never forget I went on the Jay Leno show and I got traded to the Lakers from Miami. And that's, you know, that's a fun talk show, late night talk with Jay. And I was supposed to be talking about basketball, Jay Leno, all that shit. And Jay was like, Hey man, how, how was your childhood growing up? And I was just like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> Hey, look like Rex. Like it was crazy. Josh. Like, <laughs> nobody ever asked me that. Like, no, oh. you ever, you ever see like how we greeted each yeah. other when we first saw each other? Like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? Uh, yeah. Hey, miss you. People never ask you how you're doing because they assume you're well, you're making millions of dollars. So I was like, man, my childhood was fucked up. Like, you know, like I was, <laughs> it was fucked up. It was bad. Like, it was real bad. Like, I was oh like, damn, no God. one ever asked me that. And then I started crying. I started crying on Jay Leno. Yeah. Like, I was dropping tears. Like, yo, this, oh, man, I'm so sad. Oh, man, it's crazy. Like, all the stuff I went through. And the the feedback that I got from that moment was just one, I was as humble as I ever been because I was vulnerable and I was just, I let it all out. But the next day, you know, Holly Berry coming to the basketball game and saying like, I'm a huge fan of a man that can let out his emotions on national television. You know, my brother, Kobe Bryant, you know, God rest his soul coming like, yo, you got to tell your story more. Like we got to get you in front of people more. Like you got to let, people know like what you've been through and this shit is like it's just like dope to speak your truth to power and I was just like man you know like tell the tell tell God take the oxygen out of my body I'm gonna do that I'm always yeah. gonna pivot back and tell my story because it's people that need to hear it it needs to be echoed and you know thank God that you know I joined forces with Mark Wahlberg and he felt like people need to also see it you know so it's like it's it's a good it's a good feeling, man, and I appreciate you guys allowing me to you know just touch that on on this platform. So oh, we're honored that you're here, and 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 can and will discuss it because I know at this point people know it and you talked about it a lot, but uh, I want to know like how, how were you recruited to start dealing drugs at twelve? Do you remember the moment, the time? Could you have stopped it? Was it something you had to do? What was it? How did that start? The craziest thing is like, you know, like every male in my family had had run-ins with law enforcement and, and rightfully so. But, you know, we was all leaders in our own right, but we was also easily influenced by the, 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 the intangibles that came with the game, street life, you know. And uh, I had drug sales going on all up and down my street from the second I jumped off the porch. That's what I saw. Like my uncle sold drugs cousins like every male in my family was some type of hustler they worked but they also hustled so you know one time my uncle friend uh 
<laughs> craziest name, Steve. He was just like, yo, like I, he had like the rest, the leftover shakeup uh, of the drugs that he had bagged up. And he probably came out and gave me like a quarter ounce of hard rock crack cocaine. And he said, you know, this, this yours, little homie, like do what you want. And I was just like, damn. That was my introduction to the game. It was like, all right, I, I see what it is. I, I know what it is. I see the, the traffic. I see the movement out here. And I know how to, you know, just, you know, bag it up and just go up to an individual and sell it. So that's how I got involved in, you know, selling drugs at a young age. Do you remember the first person you approached? No, they didn't, I didn't approach them. They, they approached, they approached you, yeah. They, they just came like, to you. Yeah, they were just like, you know, shorty, you holding? And I was like, yeah, I, I got what you need. And it was just a quick transaction. I, I don't forget. Now now that street is named after me. It's Karama. But wow. My first drug sale happened on uh, Mead Street. And now it's Karama Butler Drive. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you, uh, did it, was it something that you get a rush from it at that age? Did you, or did you just enjoy the money? Was it something Were you like, I'm going to stop this in a month or what was, what was your thought then? It was trying yeah, to get and, rich. And yeah. That's what I was going to, but also, and what was there, was there a, a sort of a, a fear that of, you know, getting busted that was also kind of an adrenaline thing. Uh, you know, I, I I never feel I I never I never feared going to jail because the the gain in my mind as a kid, you know, 11, 12 year old kid, it's like the gain is worth the, the risk. If I'm if I'm out here hustling and say I make, you know, 15 to 1500 to $3,000 a day, like that's worth the risk because I'm in survival mode. I'm in the hood. My mother's making eight you know, seven twenty-five, eight dollars an hour, like is, you know, it's a lot of gains to this lifestyle. I never thought about the consequences of it either because, yeah. uh, I was just like, you know, how we are, we're so naive and competitive. It's like that, 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 that won't be me. Like yeah. that shit won't happen to me. Not until you know my homies and dudes that I played in the sandbox with start getting killed and murdered on the street, or when they had to, like, man the dude try to pull off with my arm in the car and drag me up a block and a half up the street as I was doing a drug sale, things like that. Where it's like, oh man, like this different. And then you start carrying guns to protect yourself, not even knowing like the danger and the consequences that come behind. Like, cause it's, everything's just happening so fast. You're just like in the moment. So it wasn't until I got unplugged from it where I had to go to uh, Ethan Allen, you know, sitting in that cell for 18 months. I'm like, damn, I, I was damn. risking it all. Like somebody just got shot behind me. My One of my friends died in front of me. Like, I'm like all this stuff. And it, I wasn't even processing it. I never reflected on it because I was just in it. I was just like, this is what I'm doing. And, this is what I'm doing. And you're hooping. <laughs> but I didn't love basketball then. Right. I love the game. I love I love the hustle and the game. I love being in it. But I Damn. fell in love with basketball because basketball was like the perfect segue to get me out the streets. And it still gave me everything I got, the rush, the everything that I got in the game. When was the moment 
that you fell in love with basketball? When did that happen? When I was in Ethan Allen boys, uh, when I was in Ethan Allen boys school, uh, another name for uh, the correctional facility. Uh, that's when I started playing basketball and I fell in love with it. I found myself working on my game relentlessly. I found myself shoveling the pavement to go outside and, you know, for that, that 45 minutes to an hour wow. to get my wreck. Like, that's when I really fell in love with basketball. Damn. Yeah. You were earning your rec time to go out yeah, and, I, and work on what your future job was going to be. Yeah. And it was a guy, it was a, it was a, it was a correctional officer in the facility by the name of Sir Ping up in Waukesha. He, uh, he, he saw that I had it like I had a gift and he just started giving me more access to the courts, you know? So he was trying to get me on furloughs so I can leave the facility, but because Damn. I had a, 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 like I had a, I was a, uh, I, I hate to say, like, what do they say? Like a high risk, flight risk or something like mm -hmm. that. They wouldn't let me leave the grounds, but he still uh, gave me a lot of access to the basketball courts to work on my craft. Man, um, we could talk forever about all this stuff. Also, you mentioned somebody named Halle Berry. I'll have to look that person up later. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, he uh, sounds cool. No. Yeah, he does. He sounds like a great guy. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but but Mark Wahlberg, and I, I wanted to be sure and tell you this, because I, I know you're friends with Mark. You guys are kind of neighbors, I think, uh, out west. And uh, I saw, I'm in New York, and I saw him um, on a show the other day on TV. And then I went to work out, and as I'm coming out, Mark's standing there. He's standing there. I guess he was in New York to film this morning show or something. And I'm walking by and there's a camera on him. And I <laughs> always, I walk, always. And I walk past, I walk right by and I just, I was like, I just saw him it's wearing the same thing that he had on TV. And, I, and he doesn't know me. And I said, Mark, Rex Chapman. He looked at me and I said, tell my buddy Karan Butler. I said, what's up? And he said, okay. And then it was like, yep, you, you must, you must be cool. I don't know who you are, but <laughs> That's my brother. yeah, man, we family brother. You know what it is. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about that. You know, um, you guys become friends, you know, what's it, what's it mean to look back on your past and your personal story, tough juice, uh, my journey from the streets to the NBA, you know, yeah, how, that's your book. Mark, yeah how, how that's your book, but it's going to be a movie now. Right. Yeah, and talk talk about your friendship with Mark a little bit and how the, everything's come about. It's crazy because the way that I met Mark, uh, it was so organic the way it happened because I was doing an autograph signing uh, in Los Angeles, and his assistant and you know how people name drop and they come up and they like, hey, you know, I I work for this person or whatever, especially in L.A. You know how that mm -hmm. goes. And yeah. um, I'm signing some stuff and. You know, the guy was like, I work for Mark Wahlberg. He wants to meet you. And I was just like, yeah, 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 all right, whatever. Like, I just kind of brushed him off. But then as I was leaving, he circled back and he asked for an autograph. And he just like, uh, this is before FaceTime and all that. He was like, hey, I got Mark on the phone. And um, we talked. I ended up going up to his uh, to his spot the next day. I was like, oh, shit, this dude legit. So I ended up going to talk to Mark. And, you know, we just became friends, started inviting him to games, things like that. And... You know, after that, uh, Kobe had really, like, moved the needle on me doing this book. And, you know, fast forward, like, a year, year and a half later, I ended up put, putting the book out, publishing in it. 
uh, through Lions Press. And um, I told Mark on the project that I was working on and how long the process was. And I wanted it to be right and detailed. And I didn't want to edit anything out my story because I wanted to make sure I touched on all the most important things. He said, when you get it done, make sure I get it first. So I was like, you know, I'm not even thinking about business. Yeah. We're just friends. Like we're like three, four years into our friendship. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll make sure you get the book. And I made sure he got it. Like the first 50, 40 copies I put printed, I made sure he got one. And he called me. Now this is when FaceTime is available. He FaceTime yeah. me, he called me. He's like, oh, we got, we got to make this a movie. And I, you know, I think he's just like hype because you know, whatever he's like, bro, this, this is a movie. This is a bit like this is a movie. And I was like, all right, cool. And he was like, hey, let's get a contract done. Then I was like, oh shit, like he's for real. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, I thought he was just hyping his friend up, like, yo, you my boy, like, good job. And he was like, oh, like, <laughs> this is this is a movie, man. Like, this is man. it. And it, you know, we got it done. And then now we just finally we had three drafts of, of a script that was done. And one, one, this one thing that wasn't right for quite some time in the script and in the draft uh, that didn't sit well with me because I didn't want it to be like the typical Hollywood movies. So I sat, I sat, me and Mark agreed. We got uh, someone else to, uh, you know, edit the script a little better. We just got the final draft of the script. We love it. Production loves it. And now, you know, we're moving forward. So we, everyone's in a good spot now. But it took, like it took six years for him to make the fighter. Uh, we're yeah. at five and a half years uh, that it's going to take to make tough juice, but we comfortable now and I'm a hundred percent. It's going to get done. That's I great, can't wait, man. I can't wait. I don't know if you know, Corona, uh, I, I'm an actor and I was, uh, I was in uh, the perfect storm with Mark and it's, I'm just so thrilled that you just offered me a role in your movie. That's so cool. <laughs> That is so great. Yeah, that is. I heard it. You, I, I heard can't it. Wait. Yep. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't, yep. can't go back. Yep. <laughs> the Rex Chapman Show is sponsored by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter helps customers from all walks of life experience the power and excitement of live events by giving back through children's charities and creating helpful partnerships. $1 from every transaction will help our charitable partners, including St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, the V Foundation, Quarterback and Children's Health Foundation, and Coach to Cure MD. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale partner of PBR, NJCAA, and over 35 collegiate conferences with 250 plus universities, including the Pac-12. While I'm here in Brooklyn, I could catch a Nets game or any of the concerts coming to the Barclays Center. Buying with Ticket Smarter is quick, easy, and 100% guaranteed tickets. Find tickets to more than 125,000 concerts, sports, and theater events. Order now. Let's talk a little uh, hoops, college hoops. Uh, what was it about playing in the Northeast that appealed to you with the transfer to Maine Central and then committing to UConn uh, when you, when you could have gone anywhere? It, you know, I one, I needed the family structure. Like everyone, you know, I, I know I, I want to be real as I possibly fucking can, like right now, like with this this topic and this conversation, because I think if you can be bought, you can be sold. And I think that a lot of universities and you know organizations, not to put no one on blast, but they would just come in to like 
to buy your talents. Everyone coming with a bag. Everybody's offering you these different things. What? Yeah, what? it's crazy. <laughs> it, that's exactly what it was. Like, hey, man, I know. Much? Like, how much? I'm like, damn, like, my mom, my mom named Maddie. Like, she right here. Like, you know, like, no one wants to have that type of relationship. And, and, and for whatever worth, like, that was important to me. Like, life shouldn't be about transactions. It should be about, like, really getting to know people and what it is and, like, what's their why and how can you help them get to where they're trying to go. So Calhoun came with a different approach. When he came in there, he talked to my grandmother. Uh, he talked to my mom. He talked about what the university had to offer. It was a way, but the family structure of it and how he was going to make it his personal objective to just, like, really, you know, make me a better version of myself. You know, and these are the things that he felt I needed to get better at, you know, in basketball and also in life. And um, my grandmother and my mom, like, totally agreed. They were just like, damn, like, that was that was different. You know, this this man coming here and he came he came to the neighborhood center. Like he came to the hood, like Calhoun came to the hood. Like it's pictures of him in the, the Bray Center, like sitting on courtside, like just chilling, watching everything. And that's at a time where a lot of stuff was going on and he still made it his business to come in there. Um, but that made me go to UConn. That that was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to UConn because he's about all the right things. And as I'm about to turn 42 years old next week, I he's been true to everything he said he wasn't about. Like hindsight, like, that was the best possible decision I made in my life, like going to college at the time. Just basketball wise, were you were you surprised at all? Because you were great right off. Yeah, mean, I, two years, you 15 and then 20 something a game, just right up. Were you surprised at the success you had, or did you did you know it? You you like so Rex could like I don't know how to compare make the comparison with acting, but Rex know like it's a certain feel that you get when you come into like a locker room and on a court where you just be like, I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant, but he's like, <laughs> you know, I'm you just be like, Yo, I'm, I'm the baddest motherfucker here. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, you like for real, you know, yeah, you it's do. a feeling. And I just, I, I like the second I stepped in there, even though I was a, a, a freshman, I was just like, okay, nobody fuck with me. I was like, I can't <laughs> nobody, like in my head, I was just like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody could do nothing with me, right? Like I felt that, and I was just like, "All right, I just need a roadmap. I need someone to just show me how to get there." But I know, like, can't nobody do nothing with me. And he helped me you figure just felt it out. It. Yeah, like, yeah, it was just a feeling. It was like, damn, this is perfect. Well, yeah. with <laughs> acting, just so you know, it's I walk on the set and I'm like, God damn, I'm beautiful. <laughs> so good looking. That's <laughs> <laughs> the one here. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> like, shit! Dang. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Oh shit! Hey, uh, see, coming off coming off a national championship uh, with Rip Hamilton, led by Rip Hamilton. Uh, what was the state of the roster when you came in with Khalid Brown and then Mecca Okafor and then Ben Gordon? building like it like we we had high expectations because it was UConn and it was the Big East but uh other teams got significantly better like uh, I think St. John's had like guys that had a hell of a recruiting class but Omar Cook and guys like that you know Ron Artest 
like they had a squad and then Seton Hall with, you know, Eddie Griffin and guys like that. It was just like, damn, like we, we was like just in like a rebuild mode, but we try to do it on the fly. Um, instead of rebuilding, we try to just reload and skip that whole process. So we needed like high IQ basketball players to come in and perform at a high level. And Talik Brown had reached out to me. He was like, bro, we can have the best recruiting class if you go with me. He's like, I'm going to UConn, but if you come with me, like we can do some damage. And then we knew that it was important that we made UConn basketball look fun, you know, because we had other guys on our radar that we wanted to do. So we knew like if we can win a championship in two years. You know, we missed the two year window, but they got it in three years. Uh, but we just we we thought like that as, you know, wow. uh, guys coming to the university. We was like, man. We about to make this shit fun, and we're gonna be a recruit magnet for like all these other dudes that we need to add to this roster. But it it took a life of its own, and that's why I felt like we was the first domino to fall before like the Rudy Gays, the Charlie Venezuela, Andre Jordan, yep. all the, like yeah, because they saw us and it was like yep. oh shit, that's dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, yeah, now, yeah. Like, you ever been more nervous for a game in your life than before the Big East tourney champion championship game against Pitt? And did you ever think that night would go double overtime? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I had I had like just the butterflies in my stomach because I was playing against my roommate Jerron Brown in prep school. Wow! Right? And I didn't know we that. Talked, yeah, we was roommates for two years at MCI, and uh, we talked about everything in the locker rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, back in our our dorm room, I would be like, I I'll give him like nuances of the game that I was looking for. So I just felt like he kind of knew me better than anybody. Yeah, right. And he was guarding me. And, like, honestly, he gave me trouble the first probably four or five shots I took. I think I was, like, one for six or something. And then I got him in foul trouble because I know he loves sticking his hand in the cookie jar. So I got him a few times. And he was out for the half, and that's when I went on a tear. But wow. I was I was nervous because my, my cousin had just gotten a car accident the day before. She lost her life. Oh man! Um, and I, I, I was just like, I was really inspired to go out there and dedicate that, uh, that championship run in the Big East to her. And it, it, but playing in the Garden was just different, you know. Then, uh, it, it is different now as players, you know. But that was just like something I always dreamed of doing, stepping on that platform. You know how it is going to MSG, yeah. like it's just different. The best, the best. Um, you, you'd gotten as far as the, the lead eight but then opted for the draft first. How hard a decision was that? Um, and uh, how was it being able to see your teammates pull off winning the title the next year? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy because my first year, and this just goes, to, it's a testament to UConn and Calhoun family structure and dynamic. The first year I thought I was ready to come out and I wanted to leave. Mm. And I told Calhoun I'm leaving. He told me I wasn't. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so yeah, he, <laughs> I said, Coach, I'm coming out. He was like, No, you're not. I said, Shit, okay, cool, then. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but then the second, the second year, he was like, All right, you, you gotta go. And I didn't want to go. So that just goes to show you, like, wow. the family environment. I was like, damn, I don't want to leave Connecticut, man. It's like everything I always wanted, everything I dreamed of was here. But, you know, they prepared me uh, for, you know, the next step. But it was it was, it was, it was, it was tough, man. That, that whole process of 
you know, getting ready for the draft and everything. Uh, it took a life of its own, but that was a tough process. You know, I, I'm thinking back now because uh, when I left school, um, you know, I was a sophomore. And then, you know, the guys in my grade, they were still playing junior, senior. Well, Ramil Robinson was a junior at Michigan that year. We were in the McDonald's game and all that. We came up through the ranks. And I remember we were playing the Bulls in Chicago uh, this night that the Final Four was on. And I watched Terry Mills and Ramil Robinson win the national title. Yeah, Yeah. I watched them win the national title. And I was so – and I'm playing for Charlotte, and we're probably 14 and 55 at the time. And, you know, I'm, we're terrible and I'm watching those guys. And I know this is different because they're your teammates. Uh, and I know you're happy for them, but I remember watching those guys win that title and being like, damn, damn. If I was at Kentucky, I bet we could have won that title this year. Or, you know, just, I was happy for them, but also like, God, I'm envious. How was, how was it for you watching your boys win the title? I was, I was happy for him uh, because I felt like it was like my DNA was all over that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how yeah. I really felt. Like I was yeah. like, I like, I put that, like I put that Also together. gross. Also yeah. gross. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, like, I was like, yo, I, I really put that yes. whole thing together. And like, and I was like, so like still forming as like a mentor to a lot of those dudes connected mm-hmm. with them, talking to them. And I ended up going you know, on the title run and when they won. And obviously uh, that, that summer I was way Calhoun told me like, what's your address now? And I was chilling and he sent me the championship ring. Like, Oh, come on, oh, man. Yeah. He was just like, you know, this, thank you. Like you put this together. Like, thank you. Wow. You started this. And that I was like, damn, that's, that's dope. Oh, that's fantastic. That's gives, me, gives me goosebumps, man. Um, Let me ask you real quick. Cause there's a, you've got such a, unique perspective uh with, with social issues we'll move on to basketball but it's you i've read a couple things you've said because the police reform is is big in the culture right now uh but prosecutorial reform and uh you i read where you spoke about uh lawyers that don't have their clients best interest in mind in the system and the way it works could could you talk about that a little bit because i'm it really intrigues me yeah, well, you know, where where we from, we call those, you know, um, representations uh, public pretenders. You know, when people are in a position to represent an individual and not bargain with a state. And I think that's that's just, you know, bad practice. And, you know, those are the things that need to get highlighted. Like in the state of Wisconsin, where the demographic is under 10 percent black in that region, uh, we talk about black and brown people and the way that they're, you know, apprehended every three seconds in America is, uh, you know, a stoppage, a police stoppage of a minority in this in, in the United States. So and they can document that, but they can't document it in states like Wisconsin. There's no. There's no data for it. So we're trying to figure out, like, all right, if that representation is in there and if that we need to have like a, a some type of data pool for. Uh, these bargains that happen, you know, with the people in the black and brown community with prosecution, you know, you're not doing deals, you know, with the state because you're not shopping and selling people. You're doing, you're doing by the best, doing the best by your client. And I think that's been overlooked for quite some time. 
and I've been a product of it. I was I was shopped. I was sold on the market uh, in the judicial system, um, and I had to go do 18 months. I felt like it was programs and things that existed that I could have went to, and I, I see that happening far too often with individuals and also with the penal system. Uh, people aren't going to jail being rehabilitated. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's the focus. You're locking them away and they're coming off with, back into society worse off than ever. Now, why is that a problem for, you know, everyday people? Because if people aren't being rehabilitated and they was worse, they was bad off when they went in, they're going to be worse when they get out. And that's just something that we have to really look at and, you know, look at other methods to rehabilitate uh, some of these inmates so they're better off coming out than worse. Well, it means and a lot hearing it from you, yeah. as someone that's been through it rather than, you know, the talking head on CNN or whatever. So thank you for sharing your story and talking about this stuff because because it means a lot. Yeah, appreciate it. I get I get like my mind and my thoughts go everywhere because it's just like. We've been fighting this battle for, I know it's cool as hell to talk about it now because it's the thing and it's trending and everybody talk about it. But just like Juneteenth Day, just like, you know, all these isms that we deal with, I've been talking about this for a majority of my life, you know, since I was a kid because it was my reality, you know. So it wasn't something I had to go read a book about or read an in-depth article. It was one, something that I experienced the trauma that a lot of people in my family and loved ones experience. And then it was just like, shit, I want to just bring like a lot of these conversations to light. Like you do as you please with them, but I want you to know, like, don't ignore this stuff because it, it's a problem for people for all walks of life, whether you're black, white, whatever, like it's, this is a problem. Like this is a systemic problem that needs to be addressed in our society. Now, now obviously we got all type of other things, but this, this is something that, if you was going to allocate allocate your time, just like we like so diverse in investing, like we go here, we go there, we go there. It's like allocate a little energy in this because this is important going forward for our society. Man, I, I, I've just started to talk for five minutes. And the thing about it is that just shines through is that with most most great athletes, great players that, that become, you know, all stars and Hall of Famers, they have great imagination and they're very curious and as you can tell josh karan's one of the more curious people and conscientious people that you'll ever come across and i know for you karan over the last couple of years because of what we've been going through in society <clears throat> i know you don't want to talk about this shit i know you don't want to talk about it nobody wants to talk about it. Really? but if it's not if it's not talked about then it's just pushed aside and pushed under the rug and I can't thank you enough for using your platform. And I know you have to pick your spots. You know, um, it, it's tough. It, it, it's tough right now, you know. And so I'm just I'm so thankful for you talking about everything from prosecutorial stuff to voting rights to women's issues to everything that, you know, people like Josh and I need to pay more attention to and people that look like us need to pay more attention to. So thank you. Likewise, brother. And, you, you know, with your amazing platform that you have, and uh, Josh, I just got to know you, but, you know, Rex, you've been doing it at an amazing wow. clip for years. Like, for real, you know, you took the whole block and charge and everything, but you also, <laughs> you have humor, you have laughter on your social sites, but you also educate 
you know, from your perspective and your observation and your lens. And I think that's extremely important that wow. we need, you know, more people like you to continue to use their platforms and do that. So I applaud you for that, brother. The Rex Chapman Show, powered by Basketball News, is sponsored by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. It's daily fantasy simplified. It's just you versus the projected numbers, Josh. You can pick from two up to five players and an over-under on their projected stats for a single game and win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals, Josh. I like the sound of this. I like the sound of this. Well, Prize yes, Picks allows mixed sports entries, offering every sport you can think of. Your Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You can take the over on John Morant's points and the under on Anthony Davis's rebounds if you want. You can receive a match on your deposits up to $100 using our exclusive promo code NEWS. That's promo code NEWS for an instant 100% deposit match on up to $100. So hold on, Price that's pick. program code NEWS, N-E-W-S, like the news on TV? That's promo code NEWS for an instant 100% deposit match on up to $100. Guess what else? Prize Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app available in the App Store and Google Play. You spent a, one season, just one season with the Lakers after you, Lamar Odom, and, and uh, Brian Grant were traded for Shaq. In that first season where Kobe didn't have Shaq, how did, how did he solidify that mama mentality? Bro, I, and, I, and I, it's crazy because that shit happened like, I still can't believe he's ago. dead. I still can't it, believe he's dead. Yeah, man. I it 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 it's it's <laughs> tough to even think about that. And when you just said that, it's like even tough to like I know, process I know. it. But uh yeah, it's every time he stepped out on you know, the court, I've never seen someone more driven. Like just to go out and like just do what he said he was going to do and, like, just demolish people, dissect you on the court, offensively show you that you couldn't do anything with him and, you know, be the closest thing to Michael Jordan that we've all seen. Like, it was just complete dominance over years. And I was just, you know, I was inspired by, like, his grind, but more so, like, his approach to everything. And I think, like, you can learn a lot from – you know, the mama mentality and Kobe worth ethic, but in sports, but you also can, I think the biggest takeaway is just like applying it to your life. Like the way that he attacked things, he was the most prepared for his craft. And if you take those lessons and in, in life, like just imagine what you're capable of doing. Like it's really no ceilings yeah. to anything. Like if you apply those things to your craft and to your life, you know what I mean? Like outside yeah. of the sport. You know what I found? I, I would have it would have been interesting to be his teammate and to be around him like that. Um, it reminds me, though, of uh, I, I he was a rookie. You know, I was a 10 year player by this time and he was terrible. Like when he came in, he was terrible, wild. Just, you know, you hoped he came in and played for a few minutes. And I'll never forget. I was I was probably not eight or nine years in at this point. But I was as good as I was ever going to be at that point. And so I had my way with him. And two years later, within two years, he had 
you know, just blown past me. Just he was better. I was like, oh, this guy. But the first time we played against each other, I re- we were playing in the forum and um, they had Eddie Jones and they had a good team shacking them. And, and but we were good and we were we were running them out of the building and he was in the game third quarter or so. And I'm free throw going on. And I'm standing back behind at half court. And, you know, this is in the 90s when, you know, you didn't really commiserate a lot with opponents. You know, it just really wasn't that kind of league yet. But he he came up and he stood right next to me and, and bent down and said, Rex, how much do you shoot during the summer? And I kind of did a double take, like, you know, who is this kid? And, what, you know, what? And he was he was so earnest and honest about it. And a lot of us didn't really dig him yet because we felt like he was just trying to be Michael and, yeah. and he was just trying this, this thing, this Michael thing. And he, when he asked that, I looked at him and I said, I shoot as much as I can. I said, I, I jumped too high on my jump shot. If I, if I could shoot tippy toe shots, I'd shoot a thousand a day. I said, but I try to get up two, 300 good quality ones. And then the play resumed and, you know, he was like, thank you. Thank you. But it just tells you how conscientious he was about and what no matter what you think about him and his game and all that he worked and it was constantly thinking about it right his ass off man yeah he really yeah. did it, it's so interesting to you saying you know not digging him and not like him because <clears throat> one of the not knocks but a perception of him was you know he was silver spoon you know he came over his dad was in the league and <clears throat> spoke italian and that and then, I mean, he just, especially, you know, you, Karan, you, you come from the real deal, hard side, you know, being in jail, coming from that. And then at some point, he just wore everyone down, just like, oh, doesn't nature nurture whatever. This guy is a worker, a killer. He's going to absolutely outwork you. And I just think it's, you know, interesting nature, nurture, what side of tracks, whatever, uh, that guy was going to do it no matter what he, that was just innate in him. Correct. Like his dad couldn't instill that he, he could push it along, but he was born with that. Correct. Yeah, man. I think, you know, the fire that he played with and the fire that he, you know, he had just in life and his creation and creating different things like the books and uh, going off to winning Oscars. Like, it, like he just had like a ability to like, be great at whatever he committed to. Like he was committed to the mission. He was committed to, you know, obviously being a better version of himself. And he always talked about that, but I think he's like, really like, he's obviously is my big brother, a mentor, but he really set the standard for a lot of people across the board. Fuck the favorite basketball player conversation and all that. It's just like, I can literally be here have like act one go so well be a hall of famer in two jerseys stay with the same organization dominate it exceed all expectations in this space and then pivot into this space and like oh shit i'm already a champion with an oscar and i'm about to go <laughs> off and be a new york new york times best-selling author and do it again and again and then now i'm about to create this whole like world of this content and he was just on that on that projectory mm-hmm. and tell that devastating uh, crash but it's just like mm-hmm. man 
Like he he's the gold standard, like in my eyes. Like, like he's always the, the guy for me. Like I'm just like, damn, like thanks for sharing. I'm glad he left that trail and thank thanks yeah. for this, like giving me that visual. Like I'm I'm always thankful for him. Man. Do you remember where you were when you heard the news? I mean, we all yeah, I was where in, were you? I was in Atlanta. I was calling the game mm-hmm. and um I, I, I text you right away. Yeah, right his away. assistant hit me, Rita. She had called me and just like, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah it's At true. First, like the, it's true. Man. Yeah. Well, all right, let's let's switch gears. Thanks for sharing it, Karan, for real. I mean, it's I know it's still hard to talk about. Hey, uh, why why do uh why do most fans carry the perception that your Mav squad, your championship squad, were sort of the heroes of the league because they denied the Heat uh the title the first year of LeBron and and D Wade and Chris Bosch. You know what? I I thought we was just a better team. Um, but it's crazy that you know Rick Carlisle when he was coaching, he was like, this is about uh this is bigger than like just like winning this series and winning the game, winning the championship. This is like uh all about basketball. It's like basketball being played the right way, uh, you know, the integrity of the game. Like, he he made it, like, he went, like, really deep, like, some some areas where I wasn't even thinking about. I was like, wow. Like, this is, like, playing good basketball. We're a better team. We got we got more depth. They just, like, superstar, power-driven. But he was just, like, he went, like, where are you going with it? Like, it's, this is, like, yeah. this is big. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like, yeah, but you know, in in <laughs> retrospect, you know, they had three Hall of Famers. Y'all had three Hall of Famers. Yeah, man. You come on now. We had some depth. Come on, like we and, and yeah, and and Jay Kidd is people don't get it. Jay Kidd is no joke. He was no joke. Sean Marion, Dirk, like you know, like it's yeah, know, maybe more than six maybe, ever. Maybe more than three Hall of Famers. Yeah, Jet, like come on, man, uh, like yeah, one of the best six mans ever, like. People don't talk about that. Like, that team yeah. is stacked. And, and, but I see – it's crazy you brought that up because I'm looking at our team, right, and I see, like, so many comparisons uh, this season with our squad that we had in Dallas. Wow. Wow. Yeah, like, the energy, like, the – I'm just like, oh, shit, this is different. Like, I feel That's like – here. But I just don't want to – I don't elaborate yeah. on it too much, but I'm just like – I feel some things like it's. Yeah, I don't. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't want to. I don't want to put you on the spot too much. But how do you guys stack up in the East? You know, after the after the one seed, where do the where do the Bucks, the Sixers, the Bulls, and the Nets, you know, fit in as we get close to postseason? Yeah, I mean, the, the East is going to be. Uh, I mean, the, shit, it's going to be brutal because yeah. you know a lot of a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces. Still, you saw at the deadline, obviously with James Harden going where he went and then, you know, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, who's yet to play yet, but once you get those three guys on the same court, they're going to be a force. Uh, you got to give Cleveland and Bickerstaff a ton of credit in what he's been yeah. able to create and generate. They're ahead of time. Uh, it's, 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 it's wide open though. It, it really is. But I, I really like us. I like where we're at. Uh, we're confident bunch of team a uh, 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 group and we just feel like it's it's time to really just polish and focus on us more so than ever and we still have some additions that we haven't laid out on the on the platform yet which is coming up in the next week uh with Vic and uh Markeith Morris so uh we're mm-hmm. excited about that fantastic fantastic uh all right real quick what's your favorite movie oh man ever Godfather. ever 
Okay. Godfather. Godfather. Like it. Like it. Like it. Uh, if you could see anyone in concert or speak or whatever, dead or alive, front row center, what is it? Who are you going? Who, James who are you Baldwin. going to watch? Oh, we. First Who's time that? we've had it. James, James Baldwin. Baldwin. Oh, wow. Yeah. First Fantastic. Time. First time. That's the first time anybody said that. See? <laughs> Curious. That's what he is, Josh. Yeah, that's what yeah, he is. I love it. I love it. Do you have a favorite like like band or singer or whatever of all time in Dead or Alive? Yeah, uh, I have a few guys. Uh, Bob Marley. Uh, my wife is Jamaican, so you know I listen to the tones all the time, like around the house. Uh, Bob Marley and probably Sam Cooke. Wow, those are great. This is soulful. That is soulful right uh-huh. there. Um, all right, great. so Karan, uh, I'm gonna let you get out of here can't thank you enough for taking the time you're in the middle of the season we were talking about you before you came on and i said josh guys look you guys are gonna you have a you have an idea of who karan was as a player because i did too i didn't know you you know i watched you and then we worked together and then i got to know you and i said his demeanor he was not playing around on the court and, and he couldn't be the furthest furthest thing from that off the court he's the nicest guy ever I, but then i said but don't let the smooth taste fool you're <laughs> <laughs> a real one now he's a real one yeah, all right brother great. i love you i love you man and uh, keep doing your thing stay healthy and, and go heat yeah, i love you too brother man thanks again for this opportunity fam. thanks for coming thanks. man really appreciate it all right brother Perfect. Well, you're right. Happened again. Feel like shit about myself. Right? What an unbelievable story. What a great news. He's he's the real deal. I'm. That's a. I can't wait to be in that movie too. I mean, yeah. yeah, Well, you're gonna kill it. You're gonna kill it. I I can't wait to read that book for our book club. Right. Me too. Or not read it. Yeah. 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 By the way. By the way. And speaking of book club. Uh, this week, did you read anything? Oh yeah, I, I you did this week. Funny, funny enough, I didn't get to anything, but I, I did plan on it. So yeah, okay. So that, what about you? Yeah, I didn't. I was flying a lot this week, and and naturally sleeping during those times. Yeah, well, so you don't have time to read when you're no, flying. Was, Who has time well, to when read you're then? sleeping? Who can sleep? Read when they're yeah. sleeping. And sometimes yeah. on a plane, you've got this time, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just. Sit there and be bored. That's it's important. Right. Yeah. By the way, we yeah. should we should start come out with a whole sleep while you read thing. <laughs> Think about that. Money to be made there for sure. That's episode thirty-five, Josh. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode thirty-six of the Rex Chapman Show with Super Josh Hop, Super Cool Josh Hopkins, powered by BasketballNews.com. <laughs>